You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. And this is actually the week one regular season official Start of the season, Chiefs play the first game this week on Thursday night. It's a 7.20 p.m. kickoff at Arrowhead Stadium against the Detroit Lions. They'll be unveiling the Super Bowl banner. It's going to be a big day, a big night uh, for Chiefs Kingdom. Ron, how are you feeling about this regular season kicking off? Man, we are back, fresh off of Labor Day. Feels good. Stags, you held it down last week. Uh, I, I left you hanging on the 53-man roster cutdowns, but uh, but we're we're to the real football now, so it should be all good vibes, should be all you know happiness, all excitement as we get into Thursday night stags, man. But there is this just this this little cloud, this little dark cloud disrupting that right now, stags. We should all be we should all just be all joyous, all positive. There should be nothing in our way, but of course. We got to be taught, you know, we got to, you know, have this Chris Jones situation still playing out as we're on Tuesday morning now. And he still hasn't, you know, reported to the team. He's still on the, you know, do not report list, you know, so not a part of the 53 man roster. Man, Stags, I want to be so, you know, excited right now. But, uh, you know, that's just going to be in the back of our heads during this entire podcast, isn't it? Yeah, maybe we can get it out of the way up front just because it's all anybody's talking about right now. There's been report after report, agent leaks. You know, all kinds of speculation going on. It sounds like, well, first of all, he's not going to be there week one. That's that's a given yeah. at this point. Yes. He's not playing against the Lions. Uh, it's not official, but it is basically official. It sounds like the negotiations are somewhere in the $10 million, $9 million, you know, difference over a two-year span. Uh, he's going to lose that much in fines here pretty soon. So I'm not really sure what the point of this whole thing is at this point. Yeah. And, and my opinion really is that his, just his agents really have given him bad advice and he's been following the bad advice and it's just gotten him to a, a point where maybe he's just, you know, they're just too stubborn, too prideful to, to, you know, get their way out. Cause the chiefs aren't, aren't backing down. And so we're just in this dumb standoff that's now impacting real games. It's impacting the team on the field. Um, and, and Chris Jones deserves to get paid. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that Chris Jones deserves to get paid what he, he wants to get paid, but Stags, you are, uh, you know, one that definitely understands this, that the market develops the way the market does and the market didn't develop the way he necessarily wanted it to in terms of, you know, the, the other defensive tackles not getting paid as much maybe as they could have that would have maybe boosted his ability to get the number he's looking at. 
Um, I think that's one thing here. And I yeah. just, I just think it just played out that way. And, and now you just got to say, look like, Hey, you know, we lost or, and it shouldn't even be really a loss. Like, you know, it's just how the market goes and you're still going to make, you know, a lot of guaranteed money, you know, hopefully the chiefs, you know, give him a lot of guaranteed money, but um, now it's just this dumb Sansa. So it is frustrating, man. You know, I'm, I want to be, I just want to be all excited about the on field, but you know, Chris Jones is just still not on the field stags. Yeah, when it comes to the market, it's interesting because I think it everybody wants to talk about the Aaron Rodgers, sorry, the Aaron Donald contract. <laughs> and the Aaron Donald contract, if it is the market, if that's the market, then you can see why Chris Jones uh, you know, wants to to meet that number or be close to that number because his play on the field has has warranted it. I think the Chiefs see that contract as an outlier and they say the real market is Quinn and Williams and these other guys. So, you know, I, I can see why there's an impasse depending on how you see that Aaron Donald contract. If that is really, you know, if that's real or if that's just a, a one-off because it's Aaron Donald. My thing though, Stags is, is Chris Jones is coming off of his best career season. Right. And yes, he is one of the best defensive players in the league right now, but he has to be realistic about who Aaron Donald is and that he is not Aaron Donald. He is not a three-time defensive player of the year. He has not been a first-time All-Pro for, what is this, seven, eight consecutive seasons? Uh, last year he didn't get to it, but this is Aaron Donald makes the kind of money he does because he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. And Chris Jones is one of the best defensive players in Chiefs history, but he has not cemented himself at all as one of the best NFL defensive players of all time. And that's where it's just frustrating, where it's like, I get you trying to take advantage of your leverage, but at some point you have to understand you, you, don't, des- you, know, you don't deserve the number that Aaron Donald got, and you, you push for it. But, and, and we're at this point where, look, you're under contract, it's just, it is frustrating, Sags. I'm, yeah, I'm, it, I'm, you you push for it, but then at some point there's got to be a, all right, right. That's what I wanted. Here's what they're offering. You know, at some point it, it's got to end, right? And and it's got to be. I think it seems like, and again, trust the reporting. Don't trust the reporting. If they're really offering a two year extension on top of this year's number, and that two year extension would get him up and. 27 and a half million a year for two years fully guaranteed. And then he still could hit the market again. If he's still playing at a high level at that point, he's not so old that he couldn't get another contract after that from somebody else uh, or, or Kansas city, obviously. So, you know, it, it feels like the money on the table is good enough that at some point he's just going to have to say, all right, I want to be here. Let's, let's go with it. Uh, or, or maybe this thing resolves in a, in a sense that they say, we can't agree on a new deal. I'm going to show up and play out this last year on my contract and then see what happens. And if that's, I would, I would respect that as well to just say, Hey, we're, we're in a different place when it comes to value, but you know, it's well, not, it's not worth sitting out the season for. That's what does. That's what should happen when the negotiation doesn't get to a point. And that's where, that's where it's frustrating, right? Is that Jones is under contract at some point when he, when, when it, when it all gets to a point where they know they're not getting what they want, which probably was very clear at some point, you know, early on in this process in the preseason and in training camp, he does need to report because there's no sense in him. Miss, like how is missing games going to help him make money next offseason If the chiefs don't sign him to an extension as a free agent, tell me that 30 years old without playing the year before, what team is going to give him the money that he's asking for right now? I just, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't benefit him to miss games and it's going to make it easier for the chiefs to franchise tag him 
uh, next offseason, the less he plays. You know, if he if he misses three or four games, boom, the franchise tag number is not that hard to, to swallow all of a sudden. So it's yeah. it makes no sense. It just makes absolutely no sense. All right. Well, now that we've resolved that issue, let's <laughs> let's move on to the active roster. Those guys that will be on the field this week. We ju- we just pushed through that 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 cloud stags. We just we just fought through it, and now we're on the we're no- looking at sunny times. We're looking at that Chiefs playing on an actual football in an actual football game. It's the, the great clouds times. have cleared. the The rain has stopped. <laughs> it is uh it is go time with the fifty three man roster. As you mentioned last week, uh, I was joined by our guys Maurice and Serta. We talked about. The initial cut down and some of the moves that it took for the Chiefs to get to that point, it was one of those deals where, as we expected, the Chiefs were very late in making their official announcement. They went right up to the wire, and, and really, Ron, that was a, a – we had a 53-minute podcast exactly last week. Oh, wow, plus, nice. Plus ads, but anyway, 53-minute podcast, and – I think the official announcement came out uh, at a, about minute 40, 45, somewhere around there of the, of that, of that pod. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the chiefs have made a little bit of reshuffling since then. There were a few surprises about that roster. Uh, since you weren't there, is there anything you wanted to, to add anything that you were shocked about in the initial 53? You know, honestly, nothing really shocked. I did, you know, I was a Matt Bushman supporter for a long time, but I did come around to the fact that he just didn't, there was no reason to put him on the 53, right? Um, you know, I did think they could have, you know, had Blake Bell in the practice squad, but why, why not? Why not just keep him on the active roster? I mean, he's going to play obviously a significant role. I think right away, uh, you know, as that third tight end uh, with Jody Fortson out of the picture. Um, but, you know, Darian Kennard getting cut was surprising. I figured, you know, they've had a pretty good history of, of keeping, you know, those guys at least into that, that third or fourth year, right? You know, Kennard's only in his second year as an offensive lineman. Um, so but he did come back to the practice squad. So, uh, you know, uh, besides that, you know, Matt Dickerson was the only true surprise. And, you know, he was he was the one released, uh, you know, uh, the following day for the former Colts cornerback, the rookie fifth round pick from this year, Darius Rush, uh, South Carolina prospect. He is now on the 53 man roster because my guy, I do have to say sayonara, um, you know, uh, uh, very sad goodbye to my guy. Khalif Falasi was hyping him up all offseason. Um, had a great preseason, and that's why the Browns claimed him off the Chiefs, you know, cutting him uh, last week. And so they had to kind of, you know, replace that back end guy right there. And Rush was a better prospect than Halasi, you know, to a lot of people. So it actually, you know, might have been a, a net positive. You know, probably in Veach's mind, that's probably what happened, right? That he probably got a better cornerback uh, than than Halasi. Um, he didn't get anything in Halasi's return, right? It was just a cut. But I think it's hard to argue Rush. against this team's track record on uh, taking little known corners and, and making something out of them. So uh, pretty optimistic about rush who has a great athletic profile. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're going to be able to do something with him. Yeah. Matt Dickerson, you know, was a, was one of those guys that were like, Oh, he made the 53, but then you, you had this feeling that that was part of the transaction. I think that's the, one of the big takeaways as we look at the practice squad, just about everybody that was released that you would say, Oh, I really hope that guy sticks around. Just about all of them are on the practice squad. So this is a pretty solid group uh, on the practice squad. They, there were a couple of new additions, and, and let's talk about those. But some of the, the mild surprises, they, they only kept three running backs, uh, and, and they released both LaMichael Pirine and Daenerys Prince. Yeah, and that was surprising. Guys, both guys ended up on the practice squad, so all, all's well. I mean, this is really a, a 60 
69-70 man roster, really, uh, when, when, you, when you think about the way teams are now able to use the practice squad with regular call-ups. This is a, an expanded 53-man roster that does include Darren Kennard, who, who was released, as you just talked about, Matt Bushman as well, both of those running backs. Um, other mild surprises, maybe at quarterback, Shane Bouchelle moving on, uh, Chris uh, Ol- <laughs> Ol- <laughs> maybe whatever, Chris. Ol- Oladokun, I think. Oladokun. Uh, uh, yeah, is, uh, yeah, Oladokun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is the, we got it. the number three corner, the number three quarterback at this point. Uh, I thought he was show- showed some interesting flashes in preseason, uh, has some athletic ability as a runner uh, as well. Probably the ideal practice squad quarterback to uh, emulate some of these other uh, quarterbacks around the league as it comes to game prep. Uh, good luck to Shane Michelle, who had a good run here as as that in that role. Um, but you know, really, again, looking down the line, Danny Shelton was the other guy who I really thought earned his way on the fifty three man roster. Mm-hmm. Ended up on the practice squad, um, and there was another move that to me sort of indicates that maybe there was something there was something at, at play here when it comes to the defensive tackle position. The Chiefs made a trade within the division uh, with the Raiders of all, of all teams uh, for near, Neil Farrell Jr., who's a, a defensive tackle, a nose tackle, really, out of LSU uh, just a yes. last year, the year before, uh, a couple years ago. Fourth-round pick. Fourth-round uh, pick. Year. You know, big, big – player uh stout you know nose nose type player one tech zero tech played some three tech it sounds like in preseason for the raiders this year um but he's he's huge he's on he's on the big side he's on the danny shelton um you know Derek Nottie and you know there's the chiefs have a lot of these guys now so yes uh, a lot of people wanted to relate the pharrell trade with the chris jones situation to me it may have more to do with with the development of of Shelton and of uh, you know what they think about Derek Nadi and where they think you know they're they they are with Keandre Colburn. They really seem to have prioritized that no tackle position as as one that could be upgraded, and maybe they just want a big rotation uh, while Chris Jones is out. Yeah, I think it's smart with the the personnel they have to to have it. A be a rotation because you know i've been saying it over and over that you know derek naughty shouldn't just be the okay he's our starter you know he's our first down every you know start but it shouldn't be how it is he's not good enough to be that anymore honestly he should just be a rotational guy uh you know keandre coburn has has shown some pop at 330 pounds you know some flash you know penetrating but you know he's a rookie he's gonna get pushed around obviously you know especially if you give him enough snacks to get fatigued um and I had a lot of high hopes for Danny Shelton, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. The fact that they had Danny Shelton for, you know, now two training camps, two off, you know, two uh, seasons. He didn't, he joined late, you know, last year, uh, late in the off season, but he was with them the entire process this time. And they still wanted to go find somebody else uh, when they, when they needed some depth uh, in, on the interior. So this is what you need to know about near Farrell jr. Though is, is he came in at six, four, three hundred thirty pounds at the combine had a, uh, first percentile vertical jump. So, you know, literally as, as bad as you can get or as, as, as not unexplosive as you can get at the defensive tackle position <laughs> historically and a, and a three cone drill of 8.41 seconds, which is zero percentile defensive tackles. 
So this guy does not move, does, is not explosive, um, but has strong hands. Definitely is going to be hard to stay in front of, uh, you know, consistently as a, if you're not, you know, a strong offensive lineman. So I get why they they get they got him because he's a he's he's going to push. He's just going to take up space. And right now, I think we'll get into the X and nose maybe a little later. But yeah, that's what they're going to need without Jones being there. They just they're just going to need their defensive tackles to take up space. Better than they did last year because that's that's what really hampered Nick Bolton and, and and other linebackers last time were the defensive tackles you know getting you know dug out a lot of times in the run game. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I think there's a there's a path there for a, a defense, and I think Steve Tavolo has some history in that regard of having a defense that's very stout on the early downs, and then you know gets creative on, on passing downs and blitzes a lot and does some different things. You can make up for the lack of Chris Jones by rotating different guys in by being stout against the run by, you know, bringing in Tershawn Wharton and Mike Dana and others to rush from the interior on, on other downs, as long as you've got somebody big and stout next to them. Um, and there's, you know, there's not a complete uh, turnstile when it comes to the run game. Uh, I think they can do some creative stuff. I think we should be cautiously optimistic that they can endure uh you know, whatever absence Chris Jones, you know, puts them through at this point. Well, we'll, we'll get in. Let's, I, I do want to touch on that more, but just to finish out the practice squad stuff, because I do need to shout out, of course, you know, the, a, a couple new guys that we have, you know, guys that weren't around the Chiefs yeah. preseason. And of course, we got to lead off with if anyone's been following me, uh, you know, for a few years now. I mean, you've known I've been, I've been, you know, telling people my guy, Garrett Prince, tight end. Uh, he was, he was, uh, Signed by Jacksonville as an undrafted free agent the uh, last draft process. Was with them on the practice squad last year. Had a great training camp with them this preseason. Um, you know, I've, I've been saying he's, he's a great, you know, modern tight end. He's a great move tight end. And, and I thought Jacksonville was a perfect place for him. But, but they cut him, Stags. They cut him after a great <laughs> training camp, after making headlines, catching touchdown passes in training camp from Trevor Lawrence. And you know what? He, the Chiefs are taking advantage of that mistake, man. They're bringing him in on the practice squad. Um, super happy for him. This guy, uh, I, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, we always joke, man. He got second team all conference our senior year because, uh, you know, he had, he, but he led the league in, in receiving touchdowns. Makes no sense. Right. Um, but he, he was only second team because some shiny mission East wing T, you know, not even true receiver, uh, you know, racked up some, you know, touchdowns and a triple option offense. Like we always, it's, it's, it's dumb. Like he's always been, you know, he's always gotten the short end of the stick, man. You know, he's always balled out and uh, it makes no sense that, you know, uh, Jaguars didn't keep him around. So I'm, I'm excited for him. I think the chiefs are going to, going to develop him. Well, man, I think he's in the right place, but that's the thing, man. I, we, with practice squad rules, Jaguars get one injury at, at, uh, at tight end and boom, he's, he's back in the Jacksonville uniform on the 53 pretty easily, I imagine. So um, just watch out for him. But there's other guys too. Montreal Washington re receiver uh, from Denver. He was a Denver fifth round pick last year. They picked him up uh, as a cut from the, from the Broncos waivers, and then a cornerback Keith Taylor. Uh, who was he with Stags? Did we see who was he who was with before? Um, I did not catch who he was with on uh, beforehand. But but yeah, any uh, any thoughts on my guy Gary? Uh, you know, bringing another tight end to to rival with Bushman on the on the practice squad. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, I heard some rumblings that he was the Jody Fordson of the Jacksonville. Uh, I wonder uh, who told team. you that. <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if 
you can see roles for all of these guys. I mean, the, the fact that Jody Fortune went on IR for the season, um, you know, there, there's an opening there for that receiving tight end that doesn't necessarily – you've got Noah Gray as kind of your all-around player. You've got Blake Bell as your blocker. But, you know, if, if they want to develop a, another Jody Fortune type, I think Prince is, a, is, is an option there. And then you look right down the line of Washington as a returner. That guy has has had some, you know, some experience at least at returning both uh, punts and yeah. kicks. Yeah, he had 32 kick returns for Denver last year. 32 kick returns and 18 punt returns as a rookie fifth-round pick for the Broncos last year. That's all he did for them. He didn't receive, do anything on offense. But 5'9", 181 pounds, 4'48", 40-yard dash. That's what you got in Montreal, Washington. Yeah, he's a little bit of a Nico Remigio replacement, at least for this year. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. And then, you know, Keith Taylor, he was – he actually played college football at Washington. He was sort of the predecessor for Trent McDuffie. And he was drafted uh, by Carolina is who he was with before. And so, again, potentially a promising player there and just, just more depth at corner. And, you know, as you lose a guy on waivers, as you have uh, others uh, get injured – it's, it doesn't hurt to load up there. So I like the look of the practice squad overall. I think those guys are fine additions. And you've got your veterans that are just waiting for the call-up, like Austin Ryder and and uh, Danny Shelton and Deion Bush. You've got your your uh, running backs. You've got your tight ends uh, covered uh, to make sure that there's a, plenty of depth at both positions where they kept maybe one less than what we thought they were going to keep. Uh, and then you've got your developmental players that they can see uh, what they're working with, especially on the offensive line. So I, I think it's a, a solid practice squad, and you know I think they're going to need they're going to need all the depth uh, that they can muster to get through a long season. Hopefully, not just 17 games, but more like 20. And and this is going to be another another run. Uh, so uh, with that, do you want to kind of start taking a look at uh, Thursday night's game and and maybe uh, give us some insight? Uh, from what you're seeing from an X and O's perspective, how do this how does this matchup look to you? What do you are you feeling optimistic about the the Chiefs against the Lions? Oh, I I do feel optimistic about the Chiefs winning this game, right? And that's and that's one thing that we need to you know get straight. I think with the Chiefs community right now, and I and and you know maybe people have different opinions, obviously, um, but I think there are there are some people maybe flirting with. You know, are the Chiefs are the Chiefs in trouble on Thursday night because of the Chris Jones situation? No, 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 no. The Chiefs' defense is in trouble because of the Chris Jones situation. The Chiefs are fine, and 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 that's where uh, you know. Let's start with though. We'll we'll start with the negative because I do think you. I wanted to get. I kind of wanted to transition from your point about the depth on the defensive line that they need to keep around the season because it starts right out the gate. They they are facing one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, debatably the best one now that they are fully healthy. Last year, they were one of the most successful without having their starting right guard, Hala Vitae. He was out the entire season um, with an injury, and he's a dominant uh, you know right guard for them. And he's back now. So it's Taylor Decker at left tackle and then Panay Sewell at right tackle. That's a, a emerging star, you know, a, a former you know top pick in the draft. I mean, you, you got guys on that line that, are going to take advantage of inexperience, uh, you know, on, on the defensive line in the in the form of, of what the Chiefs have. You know, you're going to have Felix Inudike Ozama having to rush the passer a lot uh, on, on Thursday. George Karloftis obviously is going to be the lead snap getter, you'd imagine, right, Stags? But, but, you know, you're going to have to have, you know, someone like, 
you know, Keandre Coburn, he's probably going to be playing quite a bit, uh, you know, uh, filling in snaps and just you know, making sure, you know, like we talked about the rotation earlier, you know, that's, that's a big advantage for, for a, def- a veteran Detroit, <laughs> veteran Detroit offensive line that, that really did dominate last year in terms of keeping clean pockets for Jared Goff and, and Garrett and Goff's got a clean pocket, man. He, he can dice it up. They, they, they are one of the, you know, most efficient passing offenses in the league last year, especially down the stretch. So it is interesting, man. I I'm, that's the biggest matchup to me is, is how much the chiefs defensive line fares both in the passing and, and the run. If, if they kind of just get, you know, handled the entire game, it's, it really makes it easy for a Detroit Lions offense that was really good last year. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're, if we're saying advantage one team or another position by position, you'd probably give the advantage to the Lions when it comes to their offensive line versus the Chiefs' defensive line. Uh, I think we could argue that that may be one of their only advantages in this game, but that's a, uh, uh, you know, it is something to watch, and and I think the Chiefs are going to have to get creative. Uh, you're right, uh, you know, there's going to be a rotation. It's going to take all hands on deck to to get some pressure there. You know, I think obviously you, you could see this game getting into a little bit more of a shootout type, uh, uh, you know, type approach. Uh, and obviously you like our chances <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes in, in that scenario. Well, yeah. So let's flip it to the other side then, because the reason I, you know, we say we, we're not worried about the Chiefs winning, like you just mentioned, is is the Chiefs have kind of the same advantage in their way on the offensive line, not to the full extent, right? Because Adam, uh, Adam Hutchinson is obviously a, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, right? Aiden Hutchinson, yeah, not Adam Hutchinson. Uh, he is obviously on the outside, top pick in the draft last year, just, you know, nine and a half sacks as a rookie. Um, you know, some of his production definitely, you know, and, and we make the same excuse for Carl Arthur sometimes where some of that production feels, you know, like it was, It's, you know, he runs into it, but you know, that's, you rack up those numbers for a reason. He, you know, he was the, actually, you know, him and Karloftis really were the two most productive rookie edge rushers last year. And so you have him, but besides that, the the lines were very soft up the middle last year. They ranked 30th in the run. They average, they gave up over five yards per carry um, against the run on the ground and that they didn't really improve it uh, in the interior of the defensive line. And that, is including this weird report, Stags, this week that we're hearing that they're starting off defensive tackle Isaiah Bugs is just saying I'm not playing, or the, the Lions have told me I'm not going to play, and I don't really understand what that means. But he just told reporters in the locker room that, and he's their you know leading snap getter on the defensive at the defensive tackle position. Definitely someone that can help stop the run, and so it's definitely an advantage the Chiefs have in their way where they they might be able to hammer up the middle, especially the Lions having a rookie linebacker Jack Campbell. First round pick, solid player for sure. But you know the Chiefs with their misdirection, you know, kind of their their showing stuff. They're going to get him in a pretzel quite a bit, and that's really going to open up stuff probably for you know the Chiefs to just just hammer him. So I think yeah. in that way, yeah, go ahead. I love the Chiefs' offensive line this year. I'm I'm excited about this group. I think they have. You know, we I know we debated this a while back. But they have the potential to be the best group of the Mahomes era, and I think that starts with the interior. Um, and, and along with the revamp tackles, I think there's there's a lot of optimism around the Chiefs' offense, and there should be. Uh, and yeah, this Lions defense is nothing to to be too afraid of at this point, especially up front, and especially if there's some discord going on, there's some some uh, uh, you know, missing starters. I think there's right you know, they're, they, they're they're not going to be at full strength even uh, against the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be. The Chiefs are going to light it up. That, that's just <laughs> that's just going to happen. 
Yeah, no, there are other starting defensive tackle, uh, you know, just as a draft nerd, I remember Alan McNeil from the process. He's more, you know, a penetrator, explosive guy. Like he, he's going to be that kind of type that could get washed up in the run game. And the only other defensive tackle addition they made was if everyone, you know, Broderick Martin was a, a solid prospect for our draft nerds out there, rookie from Western Kentucky. The Chiefs brought him in on a draft visit. So he's a rookie again. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs have a huge advantage in that way. And let me talk about another advantage they have that that is that is going to be very interesting to watch and probably maybe the key of the game for the on the defensive side is this Chiefs back seven I really think they have a huge advantage in terms of the personnel they're they're playing against just in terms of man coverage just just matching up with guys right the Lions as efficient as they were on offense last year it's not like they're coming out ablazing with these these crazy weapons um crazy proven weapons maybe I should say right because Jamison Williams the first round pick from uh, a couple years ago uh, suspended for the first six games, so you're not going to have that game-breaking speed. They're 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 three receivers and they're three receivers in eleven personnel sets. Are Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a really good receiver, but definitely more of a possession receiver, Juju Smith Schuster type, um, and then Marvin Jones Jr., thirty-three years old or so, Josh Reynolds. You know, hey, all right, like if this Chiefs secondary is going to prove themselves, this cornerback group wants to prove themselves. Boom, this is your test for it. I think they do have the advantage in terms of if Spags wants to leave them on islands, if Spags wants to trust them isolated. Then you come to the tight end position. Their starter, Sam Laporta, second-round pick, rookie tight end. Hey, shout-out Nate Christensen. We love Sam We love Sam Laporta as a, as a uh, prospect, right? Still a rookie and still someone that, you know, with the Chiefs, revamp safety group. Uh, I shouldn't say revamp. Improve safety group. You know, Brian Cook coming into the fold as, uh, you know, being able to play in there. Linebackers, right? Drew Tranquil, uh, Willie Gay in coverage, Nick Bolton. They should be able to handle a rookie tight end, right? I, I Jameer Gibbs obviously is going to factor in at this point. We don't know. You know, they've been there's these hints that he's playing like not running back. That's how Pete Schrager put it. He's like, I don't even want to call him a running back, which I don't even know what that means. Uh, you know, there's plenty of running backs that flex out wide quite a bit. So that's that's the one that's probably the key here, right? Is like can the Chiefs handle, uh, you know, how they use Gibbs because he is very explosive back. He was a first round pick, you know. If they do, if the Chiefs do treat him as a traditional running back, that's going to get guys like Willie Gay, guys like Drew Tranquil, just out, you know, isolated outside like our true receiver. If if they want to use him as a receiver, so it is interesting. Uh, but I, I do say overall, I think the Chiefs back end should dominate their their coverages, and that should help the pass rush when usually Spags helps the coverage with this pass rush, it needs to be flipped in week one. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I'm, I'm not blown away by the Lions weapons. I think I'm on Ross St. Brown is, is a, he is a quality receiver, especially for those uh, PPR fantasy leagues that you might be in. Uh, he had 106 catches last year uh, for 11 touchdowns and 1100 yards receiving. Uh, but yeah, it's, he's averaging 10 yards a catch. This is a, uh, this is a possession, you know, over the middle type type guy. Um, and yeah, the Chiefs, the upgrades on this roster as compared to last year. First of all, we all know the Chiefs' rookie cornerbacks last season were were a, a real breath of fresh air, right? They were they were tremendous. They got better as the season went on. They took on more responsibilities as the season went on. And you, like you said, you've got Cook, who's really evolved into that safety role. Uh, you've got. Uh, Drew Tranquil, who's probably the biggest addition uh, from a free agency perspective uh, on the defense. And all of a sudden, you've got guys that can cover uh, at any point in the field all over the place. I feel pretty pretty optimistic that they're going to look good there, especially if Ligarius Sneed is, is playing like himself. It sounds like he'll be on the field uh, more than likely. 
Uh, is he playing the, the way he can? Um, and then throw in a wild card like Shamari Connor. Uh, I think there's some really interesting stuff that the Chiefs could do in the secondary just because, like you said, there's nobody you're afraid to have completely isolated one-on-one. And so you can you can mix things up a little bit. Right. And so that's where it's just – it's interesting because usually, you know, and traditionally the Chiefs' pass rush has, has helped the Chiefs' defensive backs kind of play better. But it would be nice to kind of see maybe like the Chiefs' coverage really make it hard on Goff even if he does have a clean pocket and, you know, force pe- uh, break up, broken up passes and tight coverage. And, you know, it, it would just be nice to see that, uh, you know, instead of, you know, uh, relying on the pass rush. Uh, the the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we we move on X's and O's wise is is obviously just in general the Chiefs pass game right you know I led off with with the reason we shouldn't be worried is Mahomes and and I am just super curious right Sax to see how they deploy everybody I mean you just mentioned Ladarius Sneed looks like he's ready you know I have not been expecting Kadarius Tony to play to be honest right. with you and and it all indi- well not all indications he is limited in practice right now with the knee injury he may still not play. But, I mean, at the same time, they keep talking like he is going to. And, you know, with the emergence of Rasheed Rice in the preseason, although he did have a drop problem that could, you know, lead to trust issues from the coaching staff and playing time, with the emergence of Justin Ross, with, you know, Sky Moore having to kind of send and kind of live up to all the expectations that, you know, are are kind of putting on him. There's just so many different hands to feed or different ways they could attack. I just think the Lions aren't going to, you know, they did revamp their defense a little bit. They signed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They, cha- they signed Cameron Sutton. Uh, they signed uh, Emmanuel Mosley from the 49ers. So they do have some solid players back there. They've drafted Brian Branch from Alabama. Um, so they have talent in the secondary. But to me, yeah, I think I think this Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, just everyone else is just going to overwhelm them. But it is I'm very fascinated to see who is going to overwhelm them, right? Who is going to be the one that kind of puts you know kind of is the highlight of the passing game on thursday is there any like bets you yeah. got for that particular game any any guesses i mean it's fun because we sit around and talk about all seven wide receivers that made this roster and and how it's going to be uh you know all the excitement around justin ross making the team and you know all of these different players i think it's going to be the patrick mahomes and travis kelsey show uh and, and it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a reminder that, oh, yeah, that's why this team won Super Bowls. Uh, it, it is related to those guys. I, I do think Sky Moore is going to be a, a massive part of this offense starting this week and, and moving out through the entire the entire season uh, and also Richie James. So those are the guys that I'm watching. I think I think Justin Ross and, um, you know, Rasheed Rice are probably going to fade into the background, at least for the temporary, uh, you know, the early part of the season. Uh, I think there's a, a real long-term approach with those guys or some you know, some packages as they've alluded to. I got a feeling it's going to, you know, training camp's fun for all the young guys, but the, the veterans are going to come out week one. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying. The Lions have rookies in their back end. They have Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa, like I mentioned earlier. He's going to be one of their starting linebackers. They have Brian Branch. They have guys that the Chiefs, you know, I, I – I don't care how talented you are in the NFL, the Chiefs exploit you. So if you're a rookie, you know, it's only going to be easier for the Chiefs to really take advantage of your keys, what you feel like you have to be looking at, and all of a sudden, boom, misdirection. You know, Travis Kelsey's, you know, going the other way and it's 30 yards. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call on Kelsey because the rookies are both kind of over the middle kind of players that could be in those kind of roles to stop Kelsey. And it'll be interesting to see if they if they're able to run the ball and and what that looks like on uh on the run game. I know that wasn't, you know. This was more about the passing game, but I think there's 
there's an opportunity for a healthy Isaiah Pacheco and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and McKinnon oh, yeah. just to kind of mix in and just remind everybody that the Chiefs can be multiple when it comes to running backs as well. They can pass to their running backs. They can run the screen game better than anybody else in the league when it's on. I, I think those are the types of things that we'll get back to seeing Chiefs football. And I think that's what should be exciting about this is, hey, this is a this is a budding dynasty for a reason. And, and a lot of that reason is the head coach, the quarterback, and the greatest tight end of all time and everybody else uh, around them are are made better because of those three guys and but but we're going to be we're going to see the the real chiefs featured again uh which which has got to be exciting yeah i'm just ready for some real football man but it should we should we throw it to throw it to break here and 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 get you your our trivia going for the our to get the first week one trivia of the of the year let's do it Man, I, I cleaned it up a little bit, so we're gonna make it official. I, this is this is the weekly game because I, I I know I'm not the only one playing crossover grid NFL out there or immaculate grid every day. I don't play it every day actually, but uh, you know it it, it it gets tough after a while. You know, I mean they they, they throw out some challenges, but uh, basically, right? You you just have to think of a player that played for two teams or did two different things. And so, Chiefs wise, we're gonna do it every week, and and I'm gonna try to do one an op- the upcoming opponent. Try to do a player that played for the Chiefs and the upcoming opponent every time. And this week, Stags, you have to tell me who I am. I played for the Chiefs and Lions, making up 11 of the 12 seasons I caught passes in the NFL. After being a featured wideout in Detroit, I came to Kansas City to be more of a complimentary weapon in an explosive offense. And I was probably most remembered. The highlight of my career in Kansas City was six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown in an overtime win on the road against the Packers during the 2003 Chiefs 9-0 start. Who was that wide receiver? I'll let you answer it on the other side, right? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. We're here to answer this last, this question that Ron has come up with for this week. You came up with a mini game for this for this week and for every week going forward. Uh, this is a, a player who played for both the Chiefs and the Lions as a receiver. Um, Wide receiver. A little, little ways back here. This is not this is not a recent player, is it? This is not in. Uh, for, for a lot of Chiefs fans, this would be maybe 2003 Chiefs, yeah. Early in your lifetime here. So 2003, I'm trying to think what was going on in 2003. And this was an Not, explosive Chiefs offense. That was that was a hint there. The Trent so, Green 9-0 start. 
You had your Eddie Kennison leading the receiving group. You had so Tony Eddie Gonzalez. Kennison was actually one of the one of the ones I was thinking of, but uh, I think this is this is a, a shorter tenured uh, guy. Uh, was it Johnny Morton? Is that who you're yes, talking about? Yes, sir. Johnny Boy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Did Kennison also play for the for the uh, Lions at one point in his career? Uh, you said any Kennison? He might have. He played for a lot of teams. He played for the Saints. He played for the Rams. Actually, uh, doesn't look like it. So uh, I was mistaken there. But anyway, Johnny Morton was a uh, you know was was somebody who we were briefly very excited about on, on this offense uh, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, but yeah. Really didn't have a, an illustrious Chiefs career, but that was a good. That's a good pull. That's a good pull. That's no gimme when it comes. Yeah, to no, I'm, I'll try to be more recent, but you know, I gotta, I gotta give the flavor to the older, older listeners every once in a while. You know, you gotta, gotta give, gotta give my history buffs a shout out every once in a while. But, but Stags, let's talk about this year's Chiefs now and this entire year instead of the game, right? I'm, I'm excited to kind of look at the season as a whole in a, in a way of, of maybe some numbers, right? You, you got a. We got some bets to look at, don't we, Stags? Let's do it, man. It's, it's exciting to kind of get, start thinking about what this season could look like. We spent so much time talking about what the roster is going to look like, what Chris Jones' contract is going to look like. Let's talk about what Patrick Mahomes is going to do this year. That's a, that's a lot more fun of a topic. So you've got uh, – you want to do a couple of over-unders on Patrick Mahomes? So I took these from DraftKings, uh, sponsored – they are the sponsored sports book of SB Nation. So shout out, uh, DraftKings. They have the over under for passing touchdowns at 36 and a half uh, for Patrick Mahomes, over under on passing yards at 4,800, pretty much. And the over under on interceptions at 11 and a half. Stags, I'll tell you right now, I'm going over on touchdowns, not even thinking about it. Over on passing yards, although I, I, I do have to think about it a little bit, um, it's a little closer, but. Man, that interceptions one is good because uh, you know that's that's a pretty high number. So I'm I want to say under, but uh, you know I don't know if he's going to be aggressive this year. You know, it may not be a bad thing if he if he gets some picks. I'm going to go over over under on that. I'm going to go over on all three, and, and not that I'm being negative about Mahomes and interceptions. I I think there's a chance that you've got some young wide receivers out there run, running the wrong routes, uh, ending up with a pick, uh, or or maybe. Rasheed Rice pulls a Tyree kill and has a pass bounce off his hands and goes into in the defender's arms. Um, so we'll we'll say over on touchdowns. I, I think he's I think he's going to approach that fifty touchdown mark again uh, in the five thousand yards again, and then interceptions maybe something like twelve. So nothing nothing catastrophic, but just slightly over uh, your eleven and a half line. All right, Stags. I'm going to let you lead off here. Just simple. Who leads the running back room in snaps by the end of the regular season? Is it is it an easy answer here? Yeah, I think it is Pacheco, um, not by a ton. Uh, I think you know they're going to mix these three guys in. Of course, it all depends on injuries and, and health, but but I think this is the year Pacheco should really be the feature, and these other guys should be compliments. So I, I'm going to go Pacheco and and hope that it's not as close as I think it probably will be. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Pacheco will be the guy. I think they're going to try to see if he can stay in on pass downs because he is that bigger body that can pass protect. So if he can if he can stay in on pass downs, be more of a three down guy. I think there might be some some use there because he is so hard to uh, tackle in the open field and save McKinnon's legs. 
All right, that was an easy one. That was an easier one. This one's a little tougher, though. You gotta, we, we got three categories of the receiving, receiving variety in the wide receiver room. Who is leading the wide receiver uh, position in receptions on the Chiefs' stags? Yeah, this is a, I think this is going to be Sky Moore. I, I think he, he slides right into some of those snaps that Juju Schuster had last year and you know, continues his, his gradual upward tra- trajectory as a receiver here. Um, it, it feels like that should be fairly safe. I mean, I think obviously you, you made this wide receiver specific because Travis Kelsey is going to dominate all these categories, but, but I think sky more for receptions at least. I'm with you. We need to stop agreeing. Let's see if we can, we can disagree here on receiving yards. I will tell you, I I've been saying MBS still could receive, uh, lead the team in receiving yards just because he has that deep element to his game. He's going to be on the field a lot. And, and he did lead. Uh, you know, he was just behind Juju in yards last year, but he was fifth in the NFL in yards for catch last year. And that's with with some some bad balls from Mahomes, some kind of, you know, some some, uh, you know, where the chemistry wasn't as good. I'm going to still go MBS. I'm going to I'm going to still say MBS for the leader in receiving yards. I'm going to say Sky Moore again here. I just think okay. he's going to get enough volume that he'll be over the top there. Uh, but when it comes to receiving touchdowns at the third category here, uh, Let's go Kadarius Tony for receiving touchdowns because he'll get some of that goal line stuff. He'll get some some unusual, uh, you know, targets. Uh, I would love for this to be Justin Ross just for fun, but I, yeah. I think it's going to be Kadarius Tony. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one because I do think yeah, you're right. He's going to get a lot of the jet sweep stuff. Um, this this one is tough. I'm going to go with Sky here though. I think Sky. Um, you know, his ability maybe to, to work one-on-one, you know, win quickly on a route and just being on the field so much, like he might be a, more of a red zone threat than he gets credit for maybe right now. So shout out Sky. We both love Sky this year. Excited to see him in week one, see how much he's, he's kind of given. But let's look at the kind of the run game in general. I have last year's team uh, rush per attempt total at 4.7 yards. So they averaged 4.7 yards per carry. That was the eighth best in the NFL. Do you see them going over or under that? that? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I I agree with that. I think Pacheco really kind of gave some juice to that as the season went on. Um, Over under that total, though, do you think they they surpassed that this year? You know, my first, my gut instinct is to to go under because that is higher than what I expected. Um, And you've got Clyde Edwards Alaire, who again is not going to be a big yards per carry. You know, he's not going to blow that out of the water. He's not going to have a lot of big runs. Uh, He's going to, crank out some yards i think but but i don't know that it's going to be you know explosive but the more they lean on pacheco the more that number could be there so i'm gonna i'm gonna reluctantly say under here but i i think they they've got they've got the potential to go over but i'll say just under well i'll differ with you here i'll I'll say over and maybe just because you know, I, I do think the offensive line just fits Andy Reid a little more. And I do think there's a chance, just a chance, because they do drive me crazy sometimes when they run their outside zones and that's all they run. They're vanilla and they're just sending Clyde to the sideline. He gets tackled for two yards or a negative gain. I do think there's a chance those are a little better this year because Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith uh, are better offensive tackles at getting to the linebacker, setting the edge, you know, cutting off the backside. Um, so I will just go over just solely on that fact. And now we're going to look at defense stags. And this is, this is a really interesting one. Um, let's got, we got to stake our claim here. Cause there's, you kind of dance around it all off season. Who is going to lead the team in sacks outside of Chris Jones? 
We got to we got to put our fork in it. Who's going to do it? Yeah, this is a tough one just because of of Chris Jones's availability and uh, Charles O'Menehue's suspension. I I would think you know the leading candidates are going to be O'Menehue, George Karloftis, and and Felix Anaduke Izama. Um, you know, I, I think obviously those are your edges. That's who you'd expect to be in the lead there. Uh, I would love, you know, it'd be a fun story if it was Legere Sneed or Jamari Connor or Drew Tranquil or something like that. But uh, I think it's probably going to be Karloftis. Uh, and, and I think it's probably something like eight or nine sacks. Yeah, that's that's the safe answer for sure. I think. If the answer is Felix Enderdike Ozama by the end of the season, we are feeling very good um, about the team. Even if, you know, it's not the highest total, I think uh, I think it's still a great sign for him. But I'm trying to win this competition, Stag. So I'm with you on Karloftis. Uh, I'm, I'm going him too. I, I do think he, he – just the amount of snaps he's going to play, he, he'll, he'll get close to the – he'll get close to double digits, I think, this year. And you could almost argue that – you can include Chris Jones in this in this uh, question because if Chris Jones right. misses the first seven weeks, then you know it's gonna be tough for him to to, to uh, make up that lost time when it comes to stats. Which again, if you're negotiating for a big contract, you probably want your sack numbers to be, you know, to be there. So uh, it's uh, it doesn't seem to be in his best interest to miss half the season if he doesn't have to. I would agree. All right, let's move to the second level of the defense. This one will be fun because there's a lot of linebackers to, to yeah, choose from, yeah. and there's a lot of different things that each of them do. Uh, how do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to do you want to go category by category, or do you want to uh, uh, let's go category by category? How, who do you think leads the linebacker room in snaps this season? I I think it's Drew Tranquil. Wow, I didn't think I thought I was going to be sneaky with this answer. Not sneaky, but you know, I thought you were. You'd be by your guy, your MIZ. No, I, 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 I still, you know, it could easily be Nick Bolden. It probably should be, but I think Tranquil will just get so much work in sub packages. I think he'll have, you know, he'll show his versatility. And I think they'll find ways to keep him on the field. Yeah. And I don't, I honestly don't think it should be a slide on Bolton that he does. I think it, you're right. You just put it perfectly that he's just going to play a lot of different roles and he's just better at those roles than Bolton. That doesn't mean Bolton's not better at, hammering a dude and 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 you know tackling and being a great linebacker on you know on most of the other situations so yeah so talking right. about who's going to lead them in tackles I, I still have nick bolton here so I, I think nick bolton is still going to rack out the tackles amongst the the league leaders um you know and, and i think you know frankly drew tranquil was a big tackler you know I mean, he had over 100 tackles depending on how you you measure it last year as well so i, I think between those two guys it, one of those two is going to lead them in tackles, but I'm going to stick with Bolton on that one. All right. TFLs though. This is interesting. Bolton has a lot of them to his name. He does rack them up. Do you, are you going with him here? I'm going to go Willie Gay Jr. for tackles for loss. Just, just to mix it up a little bit here. You know, I, I think his ability to sniff out, uh, you know, screens and, and uh, uh, runs in the backfield. I, I think with his athletic ability, they'll still be able to, to find ways to get him involved and, and even in a limited role, he can knife his way in there and, and lead the team in tackles for loss. I'm going to go Bolton, but I do like that pick because we've kind of heard them maybe trying to use him more on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that could just naturally lead to more negative one yard tackles, you know, even if they're not super significant. So uh, I like that pick for sure. 
But out of all the linebackers, who is going to nab the most interceptions? Who's going to who's going to be the playmaker? Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball here. I'm going to go back to Bolton uh, when it comes to interception. Ooh. Not known for his work and coverage, but he actually has a nose for the football. You know that the guy last year seemed to be he really seemed to be Johnny on the spot when it came to deflections and, and interceptions uh, that happened. A lot of the bad passes, the line of scrimmage, uh, Bolton was a, was around the ball. Uh, so, so I'm going to go with Bolton. All right. I like that. Um, cause he, you know, he, he definitely is around the ball. There's no doubt about that. And that's, what's going to rack up. He, the had, picks. he had two last year. I mean, it's not, it's not a ridiculous number of interceptions, but I, I think he had a couple more that he had a, had a shot at. He did. Oh yeah. I can, I can remember him honestly. Uh, uh, but I'm going tranquil. I will go tranquil there just cause he's going to lead the league in, or the team in snaps potentially, you know, see if he can grab some ints. All right, those sacks. You have a do you have any surprises here? Yeah, I, I would love to say Leo Chanel here. I, I think that's that would be his development into a guy who gets you know a substantial number of sacks would be so much fun. Um, but I got to go back to Drew Tranquil on this one. He had five sacks last year for the Chargers. Uh, he has a knack for for timing his blitzes well, explosion, and, and kind of getting quick into the backfield uh yeah tranquil so yeah i i like that that's probably the smart pick here i'm gonna hedge my bets though on the tfls and say willie gets the most sacks here he just you know they shoot him through enough but i do think it'll be interesting to see how many snacks they get as uh, uh sacks they get as a linebacker group right i think this group could you know be one of those like league leading in terms of how many your linebackers get uh your sacks just because they blitz so much and all these yeah. guys are pretty good at getting downhill and, and finishing the play. So Willie Gay had two and a half last year. I think there's some upside left in, in his ability to get to the quarterback. So yeah, I think it could be a fun competition between these linebackers. I really think this is going to be a strength of this team this year. That rotation goes four deep and you're not going to feel bad about any of them being on the, on the field at any time as opposed to previous years where there was always one guy in the field where you're like, oh, what is he doing out there? So this this, this yes, is going to be was. fun to watch. Yes, there was. All right, we'll finish in the secondary here. Similar, uh, actually, yeah, all the same categories here. Let's start with snaps. I think I think there's some debate here, but I think Trent McDuffie is has got to be the answer here, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the guy when it comes to snaps for sure. What about tackles? Tackles, tackles is a little trickier from the secondary – uh, assuming he's healthy, it, it's got to be Sneed. But um, you know, you could see, I could see a big year out of of Cook or somebody like that when it comes to tackles here. But uh, I'll stick with Sneed for now. We'll see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I am going to go Brian Cook. Um, although he is that free safety type. The thing is, you know, so he is more, you know, maybe Justin Reed would be the better answer to the safeties here. But I think they'll interchange them enough, and I think Brian Cook just just flies to the ball. I've just loved his range and everything. So I'm going Brian Cook, but you said Sneed, right? I said Sneed. Who, who's the uh, intercept for interceptions? Who's the ball hawk uh, of, of the secondary? I mean, we all hope it's McDuffie, right? He's supposed to be the, the, the ball hawk of the secondary, but you know what? I'm going to ride the Brian Cook train. I'm just, I'm just going to go mm-hmm. for it, man. I, I am a big fan of this guy's mentality. The, co- the coaches love him. His teammates love him. He's going to play so many snaps and, he does have that range where, you know, if 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 they're throwing across the middle testing him, I, I do think he's a guy that can jump routes and, and get picks. And this cornerback room may have their interception so spread out that they don't bunch him up with one guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to Sneed here. I, I think, you know, he's 
he's more of a ball hawk to me, but I, I think you could see, you know, Jalen Watson, you could see uh, Cook, you could see, you know, Justin Reed, Jamari Connor. I mean, there could be a lot of different guys who, who get picks this year. Um, tackles for loss is a little, a little tougher. Uh, who's going to be coming up on the line of scrimmage? I'll say Legereus here. I'll, I'll give it to Legereus, you know, because he's going to play a lot of snaps, even if he's not always the slot guy, which would make him the obvious choice here. I think McDuffie will take more of those snaps from him, but um, I just, I just think he's he's not going to miss any tackles. So you know, he's he'll he'll get he'll rack him up. Tell you what, I'll go Cook here just to mix it up. I, I think Snead is a logical answer, but I'll, I'll roll the dice on Cook for tackles for loss this year. Yeah, I love him as a blitzer too. So I do think Cook. Cook. So both of those guys are going to be blitzing at points, and and so I like that. But so sacks. So that's this is a real interesting one because um, Spags is pretty. He gets wild with the the set, the blitzes in the secondary, and not very consistent. Uh, besides Sneed, Sneed's the obvious answer. Are you going there? So Sneed had three and a half last year, um, and, and I think he kind of gets them in bunches. It seems like he'll go a couple games where it's just like one after another for him. I, I think, you know what? I'm tired of saying Sneed for everything. I think he could easily lead this this secondary in every single one of these categories. So uh, I'm going to go with the rookie, Tamari Connor, on this one. I think they're going to get him involved hey. as a blitzer. And, uh, and yeah, it feels like it's a little bit out of left field, but that's kind of what what you get when you're talking about blitzing defensive backs. Yeah, and I mean Spags has talked them up, man. I mean, it's it's they're gonna use Connor on third downs for sure. I mean, I, I think it's no question. Um, especially if they want to maybe use Sneed and coverage more often. So yeah, I, I like that pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna I wanna say Justin Reed just because he's gonna be around the box, but they're not they're gonna use him in coverage. They're not gonna blitz him as much. I'm gonna say Trent McDuffie here. I'm gonna screw it. Trent McDuffie gets sent on enough blitzes to to lead the team. Um, cause Spags is just that much of a mad hatter and a crazy person putting our best coverage guy wow. on a blitz, but McDuffie, he, I love how much he gets downhill and he can finish. So I, yeah. if he's going to be playing in the slot more, I think it's, there's a chance he, he could get a few to his name. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't get to some mailbag questions here before we go. I had some great questions on Twitter as always. Uh, a lot of the same, uh, usual suspects. Uh, we, we appreciate you all submitting questions for us to talk about. Some of these we've talked about a little bit already, but uh, let's let's just uh, jump around a little bit here, if you don't mind. Thomas Ramirez asked, which rookie gets more snaps, Felix Anaduke Uzama or Rasheed Rice? It's Felix, no question, right? I mean, he's going to be a very integral part of the pass rush on Thursday, uh, on third downs. You may, you may not see him on first downs as much. You're going to see Dana and Karloftis man the edges on first down for the most part in early downs, but You'll see Felix plenty uh, when there's an obvious pass down. He's he's definitely one of their best edge rushers right now. Yeah, I think that's probably the logical answer, at least, uh, especially you know given the fact that they're going to be desperate for pass rush and they've got a lot of pass catcher options. Right. Uh, how about this question from Leon Mahomes, uh, Patrick Trotsky on Twitter? How does the addition of Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor affect the run game efficiency? Do you think that'll be a drop-off, or the, will there be somewhat of a new approach by Reed and company? I love this. I love this question because there is. It's not a new approach by Reed and company. It's going back to the approach they want to do uh, mm-hmm. with with Taylor and Smith. You know, having Orlando Brown Jr. as your left tackle, 
you know, the zone run scheme isn't exactly what he is great at. He he was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens because he is great at the down blocking schemes, that power, that counter stuff where mm-hmm. you're just asking a dude to bulldoze down the line or you're asking him to maybe pull block and kick someone out. I mean, yeah, that, Orlando Brown's a, a butt kicker in the run game um, and, and, and going to mow you down. But this team doesn't really necessarily do that a lot. And, and that's where if you followed me, you know, I've been clamoring with Orlando Brown as your left tackle, hey, we need to see more power, more counter, more traditional run schemes. Hey, I'm not going to be saying that this year. <laughs> You're not going to hear me. I, I do want them to be more varied. It's always good to be more varied. And those run games with, with Trey Smith kicking out, you do want to run some counter to your left every once in a while. But uh, I, I do think Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are just better fits. I mentioned it earlier, but just they have the length and the quickness to not only set the edge initially, you know, really give maybe some space right away to that running back you know, getting off the ball quickly and, and using their length to set it. They also can get to that line, that second level, uh, you know, cut off linebackers much more efficiently, uh, you know, having that length and quickness. Um, Brown's not, you know, Brown was just never cutting off the backside linebacker. He just wasn't. And and that's a big part of the zone run scheme is, is cutting off that linebacker. If, if that, li- if that backside linebacker that's flowing with the, with an outside zone gets cut more often, there's much more opportunity for Pacheco to, to boom 20, 30 yards, you know, because there's just that seam. That seam wasn't there a lot last year. And and when it was, you know, it's not like the backs were taking great advantage of it. But I do think uh, this year we'll see it more often. Yeah, maybe this is uh, contrary to me going on the under on the uh, yards per carry. But, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that it is more explosive in the run game. They get downfield more. Uh, you have more of those big runs, which could, could help uh, them appear more efficient because they're making the most of, of some of those uh, some of those big options. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Wiley, Wiley was a decent option in the run game as well. Um, I think he was a solid player. We love Wiley here. Shout out to Andrew Wiley. Hope he does well in Washington. But he is nowhere near, uh, you know, the, he doesn't take up the space. He's not going to be as effective, you know, snap to snap in those run uh, games as Dewan Taylor is going to be. Even though Dewan Taylor wasn't the best run blocker in Jacksonville, I completely admit that. I do think he's just, the better profile and, and, and this offense is going to going to help him and flourish other questions we had this week um new jericho man if the, if the chiefs the chiefs were to lose right out of the gate do you think they wave the white, white flag and just give chris jones what he wants absolutely not <laughs> i don't care what happens on thursday i if 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 you know this team you know they're not budging man uh it's chris jones that's gonna have to cave on this so no the answer is no yeah, they've, they've definitely been more of the hard line when it comes to contract negotiations than than maybe they were earlier on. I, I think they've just they've evolved in that way, becoming a little bit more you know Patriots like, just in that way, not in every other way. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think they've drawn their line, and I, I don't see them really caving uh, at this point. Nobody should make any long term contract decisions based on one football game. Uh, weird right. things happen in football games all the time. Chiefs could lose, you know, if if weird stuff happens, uh, but that shouldn't change their approach to long-term roster building uh, based on week one. Exactly. Uh, I, I like Jake Wilson's question. Um, does this defensive squad offer Spags the widest range of blitz options since he became the Chiefs defensive coordinator? Yeah. No, there's a there's definitely a great case, right, Stags? I'll let you elaborate on that. There's a great case. No, absolutely, it does, and I think we just touched on it when we were going through the uh, uh, the le- the team leaders in each of those categories. I think you've got you know four or five defensive backs you can send at any given time. You've got 
three of your linebackers, four, all four linebackers that can come at any any given time. I mean, I think there's, you know, Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel, uh, Chamari Connor, Jerry Sneed. I mean, those are all potential Willie Gay. I mean, those are all il- potential elite uh, blitzing options. Even before you get to, you can send Jalen Watson anytime you want to, and the guy can the guy can do some damage as well. I mean, there's there are so many options there. Uh, yeah, I think Spagnuolo is probably loving how this defense is coming together, uh, especially now that he's getting some some monster defensive tackles in the middle. This feels more and more like a Spags dream defense. Yeah, going back to throwback Spags. No, it, it it does feel like yeah, it could be a blend of traditional Spags and you know how creative he's gotten over the years. And you know we haven't seen what the Leo Chanel, Willie Lime, Willie Gay, uh, Jack linebacker position as they called it, or Joker, excuse me, Joker linebacker position is what they called it. Um, we haven't seen what that looks like, but you know we may see it week one. So I'm super excited to see you know just how crazy Spags can get, and that's why I never understand why people you know, have any sort of annoyance with Spags, man. He makes watching the Chiefs, you know, as much as Mahomes, as much as fun on the home side, man, you know, the different ways Spags attacks a, a pass protection on third down is one of the most fun things about, uh, you know, watching the Chiefs, in, in my opinion. Well, good. I think a good way to wrap this up is Tom Malou's question. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but uh, if you assume Mahomes has 4,500 to 5,000 yards, uh, how would you break down amongst the receivers for that total and he said extra credit if you answer for touchdowns as well as yards Uh, again this sort of ties into what we talked about before but uh, how do you see them breaking out the receiver stats this year yeah you know we've we've talked about this right where it's just like you know is there going to be a guy that gets to a thousand or are they just going to have a ton of guys just hanging out in that 700 to 900 range um, similar to what they did last year although it was just two guys uh, Juju and MBS um, so I think, yeah, the real question is, do they have someone that goes over a thousand, um, to kind of maybe lead, lead the team? You know, if you say yes, you know, who's that going to be? You know, I think MBS might be able to get there and I have him leading the team, but I don't think so. So again, that's MBS, that's sky. That's, uh, you know, Richie James, potentially that's, so I've got, I've got sky over a thousand. I've got Kelsey okay. well, well over a thousand, right. uh, obviously. And then I, I think MVS is probably still in that 800 range, like he like he always is. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know if you've got the Vegas over and unders handy for for all of the receivers, but I, I think you could you could easily see a um, thousand for those two guys, um, and then you know 700 for MVS, another 600 700 for uh, for Tony, just because you know yeah, he's missing games. He's- He's week one, so yeah, that's a good point. And then probably he's, like he's, 300, 300 or so for for Rice and and uh, uh, Ross, maybe you know two hundred or under, uh, probably for Justin Ross. So you know, I think you've got to, the the this thing gets tricky when you start adding in the receiving yards for the running backs. I think you know McKinnon obviously well, Gray we should have three hundred probably. Yeah, you know right. I'm not doing the math as we go along here, but uh, <laughs> you know, that sounds I, right. I think, I, I think at the top end, I think is what most people are looking for. Uh, is you know, I've got again Sky Moore right at or just a little bit over a thousand, and and Travis Kelsey probably back in that thirteen hundred range. Um, you know, leading off the this group, and don't expect a lot out of some of those other guys. But 
there's no reason Richie James might not have you know, 600, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or, or more this year. And yeah. and Watson will probably have his 300 to, to 350. So there's they're going to spread it out. Uh, you know, Mahomes is going to hit nine receivers a game like he like he has been in recent years. So they really don't have a wide receiver one. They have a they have tight end one. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing too. I mean, I the the receiving yards just kind of you know kind of tough because you know a lot of times you know it's it's hard to know you know each game you know who's going to really be featured. The touchdowns is interesting to me, though, because if you're predicting, you know, Mahomes gets, you know, 40 or so touchdowns, um, you know, maybe as the conservative estimate could be a little more. Kelsey takes 12 of those. Right. You know, uh, to be fair, you know, he could have more. Um, but, you know, 10 to 12 gives you about 30, roughly 28 to 30 touchdowns remaining for the rest of the guys. I really feel like that could be super spread out, just yeah. like incredibly spread out where like no one is maybe is even touching, you know, nine ten touchdowns uh sky i think we'll get i predicted sky i think sky could get 10 i think sky's the one that could get 10 maybe um but besides that man i don't know who who else do you think could kind of you know like is jarek mckinnon again gonna do the nine touchdowns he had receiving last year i mean some of that's got to go to the other running backs right does yeah you know does clyde all of a sudden you know is clyde just a touchdown machine you know is clyde just only here to score touchdowns, and that's all he does. I mean, <laughs> again, he was early in the season last year. He had three right. total receiving touchdowns last season. Uh, you know, Justin Watson had two. Noah Gray had one. MBS only had two. I th- I would think MBS goes up a little bit uh, on that list. You know, Sky Moore didn't have any in the regular season. Juju had three, so you can kind of give those to to Sky. Give him three. Right, Juju uh, only Nicole's had three. Four right. are going to have to go somewhere. I, I would add those on the Tony's total. Give Tony right. six. Uh, yeah, Tony. Yeah, I guess I liked your pick with Tony. Tony might be the one to get closest to Kelsey in terms of, you know, eight, nine, ten touchdowns. Give me, if give me two. If he's going to play, Ross, yeah. you got one or two for Blake Bell because you know why? Why wouldn't you? Uh, Can't wait to bet Justin Ross anytime touchdown every weekend for it to only hit you know the one <laughs> week I I don't bet it or something. Can't wait for that. It'll hit week one and then he'll be inactive for the next four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you won't have a chance. All right. Anything else? Uh, uh, anything else that you want to cover? And there's a, there's a few other questions out there, but we're probably running long on time here, so we can we can save a couple questions for next week. Um, final thoughts? Do you want to do a uh, you want to do a prediction on this show, or or save that for the site? Oh man, you know I haven't thought through my prediction too hard, but I mean I will just let me just say this: if you're on the Kansas side or, or wherever you're listening, if if you're a betting person. I don't want to tell you what to do with your money, but the over, the, the over point total Thursday night is probably going to hit. So you could probably take that to the bank. Uh, but that's the only prediction I'll give out Stags. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs win in a in a higher scoring game as well. Uh, and, and I think they probably cover the, the spread six and a half. They're probably going to cover that. I mean, yeah, I would agree. Chiefs that's a good number. Down maybe maybe by ten. You know, in in a higher scoring affair, I think is a pretty safe bet. Uh, Emotions are going to be running high opening night, you know, banner raising, you know, Super Bowl champions leading off the season. Uh, what could be better than that? For those of you that get to go to the game like Ron, I, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, make the most of it for the rest of us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about what happened and looking forward to week two. Uh, make sure you check out all the content on arrowheadpride.com. 
all the rest of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Rate and review wherever you do that. Uh, We appreciate you spending time with us uh, again this week, and we'll look forward to talking about a Chiefs victory this time next week.